We're in the middle of a, uh, or actually we, we, we started and then we took a, a break uh, the very next week, but we've started a series on the wisdom literature, which is five books in the Old Testament that, uh, that if read together, describe a picture of who God is that I think is really significant. One of those books is the book of Job. Now, I don't know how many of you have read the book of Job, but it's a little tricky. And it goes on for a really long time, and it seems to kind of be repeating itself. I, um, I've read that book numerous times, and a year or two ago, uh, something really clicked for me of what that book is about. And I have longed to share this with you for quite a while now. So we'll see whether it's going to be underwhelming or not. But uh, for me, it was super significant. And for this reason, listen to it this way. Uh, this, as, as far as the scholars can, uh, can understand, this is the first book of the Bible that was written. So the first book that was written, chronologically, the first book that was written was not Genesis. It was Job. So... Uh, what would be the very first thing that God would want to tell all of humanity forever? Isn't that a fascinating question? You know how first introductions, they matter, right? And if you were going to go into a, a job interview, those first few words, they really matter. Well, Job is the first words that God wanted to put in his word for all time to tell humanity. And we're going to try to unpack the significance of those words this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the book of Job, for what you wrote to us. And I must admit, over the years, I found it complicated and tricky what your point was. And I really think I misunderstood it. But God, I pray that today you would help us understand uh, not just the message of this book, but the message of your heart. And that this would come through loud and clear this morning. Speak to us. We want to hear you. So, what is this first message that... God wanted to speak to us. I have five points. Don't be afraid. I'll go fairly quickly, some faster than others. The first is the book starts with an accusation. Satan comes up to God. It's all really weird, right? It's hard to understand these things. But Satan comes up to God and, uh, sorry, God comes to Satan and says something, and then Satan res responds. So the Lord said to Satan, in uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job? So they're up in heaven, and they're looking down at Job and say, Have you considered him? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And Satan replies, Does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now, stretch out your hand, strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So, 
Satan brings an accusation against God. And it's this. It's favoritism. Uh, God, you play favorites. And uh, people are only good if you're kind to them. It's the only reason why people are good. And as soon as they get bad, you, uh, you know, bad things are going to happen to them. So uh, don't think that Job is really good. He's only good because you're being nice to him. But I double dare you, remove being nice to him and see if he doesn't curse you. Now, this accusation is profound because I don't know about you, but I've believed what Satan has said over and over and over again in my life. Um, when you're treating me well, I like you. And when you don't treat me well, I think I'm cursed, and I'm not sure I like you either. My relationship with God is, can easily be about how well things are going for me. And I judge his goodness and my goodness based on the comfort in my life. Can you appreciate this? If something bad happens to you, what's the first thing that humanity does? Who's to blame? And so there's kind of two basic options. Well, three if you include other people. But either you're to blame or I'm to blame, but somebody's to blame <clears throat> because bad things shouldn't happen to me. And so if you listen... If you listen to most people's accusations against God, <clears throat> wow, it's not going away. If you listen to most people's accusations against God, it's all about whether their life is going well or the people around them. And the moment their life doesn't go well, God's bad. And I venture to say there's not a single person in this room that hasn't felt that. Bad life, bad God. So, an agreement comes in the next verse. The Lord said to Satan, very well then. Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Fine, you think that this is all based on what you're saying, this accusation that, that I'm favoritism and the only reason why people are good is if I show them kindness and blessing. Great. Then remove. I'll let you remove all the good things in Job's life. Now, we could spend a super long time just trying to understand how that works itself out. I mean, is God giving permission to say it gets complicated? But let's stay on the point. Uh, the test is this. Don't act kindly and see if they'll be good. Isn't that a fascinating... Right, God. 
Uh, here's the test that I propose that you put on Job. Don't act kindly and see if he'll still be good. I think we can relate to the accusation and I think we can relate to this agreement. What if we're being tested? Are we still going to be good when God does not seem to act kindly to us? Now, the, uh, the good news is in chapter 1, verse 22, Job starts off really well. So a whole bunch of super bad things happen to him and his family. His family gets wiped out. So it's really, really bad. So think of bad things, and then this, I mean, personal, physical affliction, his family being destroyed, it's, it's horrendous, horrendous. And here's what it says about Job in verse 22 of chapter 1. We haven't moved out of chapter 1 yet. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Isn't that great? So suffering comes, and Job starts off really, really well. And uh, it looks like he's passing the test. Now, I don't know about you, but you wonder, you know, how, like, how would we pass that test? But he's doing great. But then something really interesting happens in the book, and it goes on up until chapter 37. So we won't go through those verse by verse. But uh, something switches, and uh, Job's three friends, and then a friend later, come, and they start trying to explain to Job what they think is going on by all of this misfortune and suffering that has come his way. Let me summarize for you. I'll read a couple of verses, but let me summarize you to you what their advice is to Job. God is only kind to the good, so improve yourself. That's the message. Here's how it said in chapter 8, verses 4 to 6. When your children sinned against him, God, he, God, gave them over to the penalty of their sin. So he's saying, you know why they got destroyed is because they were evil. That's all that was going on. But if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore to you your prosperous state. So they go over and over and over again, and Job was replying over and over and over again, and uh, their advice is, look, bad things happen to bad people. It's called karma. And uh, that's what's going on. And so the only way that you get better karma is if you become a better person. Now, don't tell me that you and I don't believe that. We all believe that. And they're just saying, putting into words, what I think is in our mind all the time. Either God's bad or I'm bad when bad things happen to me. Uh, this is called religion. Religion is all about an almighty, sovereign God having what we want. 
We want heaven or paradise or utopia or a new car or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is. We want something and a child. And, uh, and so we go, okay, I want something that only you can give me, so let's strike a deal. Uh, five Hail Marys, uh, tithing, you seem to be into money, uh, showing up at meetings, okay, I can show up to meetings, pray, read the Bible, whatever it is, uh, I'm going to do some stuff and fulfill my side of the contract, and then you will fulfill your side of the contract, and you'll give me the stuff that I want. Deal? Again, I would venture to say that uh, this is the primary way that the world relates to God if they believe that he exists. I would even venture to say if they don't believe it. But it's the primary, uh, I only know the way to say it, modus operandi. It's the primary default way of looking at the world. It's good people get good things, so you become gooder to get the things that you want. All right? <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Lim. Uh, um, <clears throat> Point number four is, uh, so that's their advice. Are you following the advice? Don't we think this way? I am pretty sure we think this way. Okay, so now this is Job's appeal to the friend's advice. I am good, so God should be kind to me. That's his, so in, in chapter 32, verse 1, Job was righteous in his own eyes. You hang around religion long enough, and it wears you down. And so for 37 chapters, he's getting worn down. And his conclusion is, but I have been good, and so I deserve a good life. That's his conclusion. Again, you're going to get tired of this, but there's only a point after this. I think we think like this all the time. I think we say, come on, God. I haven't murdered anybody lately. I give you my money. I read my Bible now and then. Come on, throw something my way. Really? Come on. Let's be reasonable here. I'm not that bad. And I really think that if you noticed me and saw my heart, you would treat me a lot better. And we negotiate. Welcome to religion. This is the heart of a religious attitude. It's all about a contract. I do my part, you do your part. And Job's answer to the people who were condemning him was not to point them to God, but to point them to himself. 
and say, I am good, and I'm righteous in my own eyes, and therefore I deserve some goodness thrown my way. Last point is God's answer. So Job's appeal is, I am good. God's answer to that is, I am good. You're not good. I'm good. He switches who's good in the story. And then he goes on for about three chapters describing his goodness, his almighty goodness. He says, and I'm obviously going to paraphrase because we can't go through all these chapters, but he says this to Job. This is Job's response to a religious attitude. It's a fascinating response. And it took me forever to get it, but I think I might be closer to getting it. Here's what he says. I stop the sea, the sky, and the wicked from destroying the earth. I do that. I hold back the sea. I hold back the storms in the sky. I even prevent the wicked from destroying the earth. That's what I do. I water the land. I give wisdom and food and offspring and even joy to the animals. I do that. I give them all that they need. And then he goes through in a super detailed way describing how he loves animals. It's fascinating. I'll tell you why I think that's going on in a minute. But that's his argument back. Look what I do for the animals. And I restrain the powerful. In my strength, I restrain those who could eat you alive. I do all that. How do we summarize this argument of God's? Trust in my goodness, not in your comfort or your performance. I think that's a summary of the book of Job. Trust in my goodness, not in your comfort or your performance. Here's the, uh, here's the problem that you and I have. Uh, our frame of reference is us in the middle of life. Obviously. If I'm going to look at life, where do I look at it from? From, from this center. From my center. And so I look and I go, you know, I'm doing well, so things should be going well around me. No, I'm not doing well. Yeah, I deserve some stuff. And I'm at the center of my understanding. What uh, God does to Job is he shifts the center of Job's thoughts off of Job and on to how God relates to all of creation. And he moves from a self-centered orientation of life that is all about his comfort or his performance to what God is doing in all creation. And then Job can see himself in this brand new context as part of God's creation. And, so he, and that's what gets you out of a religious attitude. It's not all about you and your performance or your comfort. It's about him and his goodness and how we need to come 
into his perspective and see creation from his point of view. And so he shocks Job out of his self-centeredness and has Job now consider himself in light of of God's goodness and power in creation. And his response is in chapter 42, verse 6. And it's a fascinating response. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, this is outstanding because a few chapters earlier, Job was righteous in his own eyes. And now he despises himself and says, I didn't get it at all. I didn't have a clue what was going on. And the center of my life is not whether I'm performing well and comfortable. I now live my life with you as the center, revolving around you, and in that I despise my self-centeredness. I hate the fact that I lived my life with a self-centered orientation. I despise that fact. And I repent of my self-centeredness. I choose to see myself as part of your creation in your context in terms of who you are. And he's saved. God's main message to humanity has not changed. For this simple reason, the problem has not changed. The problem that you and I struggle with is the same problem that Job struggled with, a self-centered orientation that's built around whether I'm comfortable and performing well. And it takes nothing short of a miracle to transfer our orientation to be God-centered. And the way that God helps us do that is by giving us a context that's bigger than ourselves. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, uh, he says what this is saying, that God has seen his, his invisible qualities, his divine nature has been seen through what has been made. And so, uh, it, whether it's in, in Romans 1 or to people what you read in Matthew, or what Job is saying is, would you have the courage to step outside of your life and to see what God is doing, and in that context, you'll be set free from your condemnation, from your self-judgment, from your pursuit of, of, of merely physical comfort, and you'll be transported in to the presence and power of God, and your life will revolve around Him. You'll be set free from religion, and you'll be put inside of the kingdom of heaven, the place of peace and joy, 
because it all revolves around him. So, let me ask you this in closing. Do you despise yourself? I, I, you know, I, I still, I, I hear it so much, and I, I'm, I get a little angry. Because what I mostly hear is, I really am a good person. <clears throat> I really do try hard. I deserve a little love, don't I? Let's be reasonable. And in some grand irony, God says, the only way into my peace and joy is if you would despise yourself and get a God-centered life orientation. And as you do, you would be set free. And you might even get some blessings along the way. But you're simply blessed by that new orientation. And that's what matters most. <clears throat> I don't know how to tell you this. But if you and I, if we keep thinking, if we keep running the uh, events of our life through a performance comfort grid, we're doomed to failure no matter what. It just is not the right orientation to make sense of life in. It doesn't work. It's, it's as old as history, but it's the enemy of the reality of God and the salvation that Christ brings. And somehow, we've got to shift ourselves, by the grace of God, outside of that self-centered performance comfort grid. And the way out is to despise ourselves and to begin to see God's creation in his goodness there and find comfort in him. Worship team, would you please come up? Father, we thank you for the book of Job that reveals to us what's really going on. And we repent. We uh, are grieved by how quickly we think about our performance and judge your performance by how comfortable we are. This is not right. Would you please give us the grace to despise our self-centered orientation, to hate it, to not be comforted by it, to not believe in our blame, whether it's our own condemnation or our own anger at you for not making us happy enough in the ways that we think you should. Would you save us by showing us ourselves, by showing us through creation, in light of who you are. 
And we say that in this story, you are the good one. You are the righteous one. You are the loving one. You are the powerful one. It's you. It's not us. Help us, we cry out, to be saved from a comfort performance worldview. And we receive the life and message of Job as a message to deliver us from our own evil. Oh,